All right. So as you may have noticed, we're doing something a little different today. If you're visiting with us uh, for the first time, we don't normally have someone called it a podcast this morning. <laughs> we don't normally do this kind of setup. But I want to introduce to you someone who's really special to our church and, and to me, uh, Pastor Mike Parks. He started a ministry called Frontier Partners International. Um, it's a lot of people working with him in it, of course. But Pastor Mike, he was a pastor at, at Calvary Chapel, Wichita, uh, for many years, and then he came to CCO in the uh, 2000s. Uh, he actually, many of you have known him longer than I have, because he served and attended here, preached here. And then I had the privilege of getting to meet Mike Parks, uh, which I'll tell you about in a second. But let's go ahead and uh, give a warm welcome to Pastor Mike. Good morning. Good to have you, Mike. It's great to be here. <laughs> I always get excited when I get to hang out with Mike. So I, 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 the first time I met you was in, actually, he was on the search committee when Pastor Gibb retired. And so the first time I met him was in my first interview. And he was one of the four or five guys that grilled me with questions. Uh, and, uh, and Mike asked quite a few questions about missions. He asked other stuff too. But I, I wondered for a second, I'm like, I wonder if he's their missions guy. <laughs> But we became friends after that, and, and Mike became someone I confided in, someone uh, you know, that we would just get together and chat about what the Lord was doing in our lives. And then eventually the Lord called him to leave. Uh, in fact, I got here and then he left very shortly thereafter. Um, so, no um, connection. <laughs> he did vote for me, though. So, <laughs> but then as he was, you know, went away, he was working with a different missions organization for a while, and then you know, he started... When we were talking, he said, I've got, well, I've got this heart, I've got this plan, I want to do something. And, I, and so he started Frontier Partners International. So, so, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about, I mean, you're probably going to want to say hi to Barry first, but after you say hi to everybody, why don't you tell us a little bit about Frontier Partner, Frontier, oh, my brain's not working, FBI. Frontier Partners, F, FBI, F, Frontier Partners International. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so it's great to be here. I want to start by just saying thank you um, for the years of prayers and support that you guys, have, that this church has been. Some of you don't know me. Uh, many of you do. But a, another person here that's even more special that never gets to travel with me is finally this one trip we're able to do it is my wonderful wife, beautiful bride, Sherry Parks. She's back there in the back. Stand up, Sherry. Parade wave, parade wave. There you go. Uh, yeah, so I'm happy to have her here. Uh, we've, we have five kids, and uh, we still have three of them at home, and uh, well, we still have five kids. <laughs> you, you guys that have adult kids know what I'm saying, right? So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, and, and it was great. You know, we moved here back around 2003, and I got to know Pastor Gibb really well and, and be a, a part of it. So this church has been a very special place in, in, in our lives. And then when we moved away, uh, to Europe and then other couple other places we came back through. Then, of course, the time God called us to start Frontier Partners International, uh, where we're geared to uh, uh, do relief and development, work alongside the church, and stand up for the persecuted uh, Christians and uh, religious minorities. So, you know, Mike, <laughs> um, it's interesting. I, I've planted a church, so I know what it's like to start a ministry from the very beginning and build it ground up. And I remember when you first started sharing with me, you know, about uh, FPI, and I thought, man, that's, 
like, what do you do? Like, where do you start? Where do you begin? And, and the Lord has just blessed it over the years. It's been, what, about four years now almost? We're coming up on four. Four years, four years now. And, and, and you know, if you get the newsletter, you know about what God's doing over there, the incredible things in multiple countries. You know, Mike, uh, it was hard for us when we uh, were starting to plan this day because we'd already talked about, hey, you're going to be in town. You want me to come share? I said, yeah, come share. Well, getting together was hard because he obviously the earthquake happened and he's been constantly on the phone you know uh, working with with his teams over there and stuff and he'll talk about that in a little bit but um god's doing lots of good things in these places so uh when the lord calls you it doesn't matter even though you have to start from scratch because where the lord guides he provides so amen yeah amen so mike why don't you update us then on what kind of is going on with fbi right now um so we can you know better be informed about, about what sure, you're doing. Sure, sure. So uh, you see the PowerPoint. I'm going to go through this PowerPoint quickly, but uh, just it's a lot of information. But like I said, Frontier Partners exist to bring the love of Jesus Christ into the presence of the suffering. The unreached, unengaged people groups have little nor witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do it through compassionate aid. We do not proselytize, but we do go in and love them in Jesus' name. And through that, the opportunities explode to be able to share the gospel. Um, the regions that we focus on uh, is in this picture here, the Middle East, which is highlighted. It also folds over into Afghanistan and Nepal. We have a couple things going on there I'll talk quickly about. Starting with Lebanon. Lebanon is along the Mediterranean, just above Israel, a beautiful country and great crisis. It's, uh, inflation is skyrocketing, uh, so many hardships. Uh, the, in start, and started a few years back, but another thing that's happened is there's been over 2 million Syrian refugees go there from a war that's been going on for 10 or 12 years. And we've been able to share the love of Jesus Christ with these people, and we're discipling dozens of them all the time. And so we have a lot of great work going on. You can see the refugee camp here. This is uh, one that we work in quite regularly. And I'm getting to know these people and their, their houses and these kids. So it's really amazing to be able to share uh, Christ. We actually have some discipleship and Bible studies going on in that camp. Another severe thing that happened a couple years ago was there was a big explosion. Uh, this silo, uh, 2,600 metric tons of ammonia nitrate exploded, creating almost what looked like a nuclear bomb. Did you guys see that? That was crazy. And it just blew the city apart, which created an ongoing downfall, not only a crisis in the explosion, but then protests broke out. There's corruption. And back when this explosion happened, the exchange rate was 1,500 of their currency to one U.S. dollar. Today, it's 75,000 to one, and it'll probably get worse. Uh, it, it's collapsing, but we're able to help. So we've been able to take things like wheelchairs, food, and clothing to the refugees, uh, and, and compassion. And so we see these, these refugees as human beings, as people, as children, um, like our children, like our families. And they're, they're really, they're very thankful, and we have great open doors, effectual open doors for the gospel of Jesus. And then we also work in Kurdistan, Iraq, which is the northern part of Iraq. Now, I know it's a strange part of the world that nobody knows. The, most people don't know the borders, uh, but you can see it there. And it's a large area that covers actually four countries. Uh, covers not only northern Iraq, but Iran, uh, Turkey, and Syria. And it's the largest unreached people group. And they identify closely with Israel. There was a, in fact, the uh, 70 years of Jeremiah ended in Kurdistan under Darius the Mede, and, uh, and, and, da and Daniel was up there at that time. So it's really interesting. The, there's a town called Mosul, which they still call Nineveh. Uh, 
just a very rich historical uh, place. And, but these people uh, are suffering greatly. And like the Yazidi people, who are these kids here, they were the ones in 2014. If you remember ISIS, and they took women and children, and they sold them, and did, it was horrible, wasn't it? And uh, those were Yazidi people. And so today, this day, even today, we're still ministering to them. They can't return to their homes because there's multiple highly armed militias, violent militias in that area. And so they can't go home. So they stay living in these conditions. We continue to assist them with food and clothing and medicine, education, skills. So we, uh, the soap business, we help with uh, 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 sheep raising. And we actually also just started a turkey project with one lady. You know how much you know how much a turkey cost in the store there? If you go get hundred dollars, hundred twenty dollars, and it's a little, it looks like a big chicken actually. Maybe it is a big chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so here's some school supplies. The kids uh, uh, over the years, I watch them grow up, and I always uh, have to show my picture of little Michael. This child is a child of the leader, the Yazidi community, and he named that child after me. So it's like, and I and. The joke my wife always hates me saying is, I couldn't even get my own wife to do that. So, but she still giggles. And we work closely with the church. Um, we work closely uh, strengthening and encouraging the church in Iraq. It's very, under great pressures and stress from the sectarian uh, communities that they, they work within. It's very stressful for them. And they have very little uh, good teaching in their languages in the Kurdish language, and so, and, the, and it's a different language than Arabic. We'd look at that and might think the script is Arabic. I have a couple books in the back you can look at. Um, these these materials are strengthening them in evangelism, discipleship, and we're also training in some uh, uh, seminary level theological teaching. Uh, we're getting ready to start translating that, so we can pray for that. And if you get our updates, our newsletter, you'll be able to follow that and pray for us and those things. Very important. We also take them over into a closed country that's nearby uh, by, uh, we call it mule train. Sometimes it's people on ba- with backpacks and we get these things across into difficult areas where they speak the same language and even it's in, and, and the underground church has even a harder time with getting good material. So, and you can see here, I, I show this because I'm with the director of, the, they have a ministry called of Religious Affairs. It's a very high ministry, and I got the privilege of, de, of delivering a, the first translations of these books to this director. He's, a, he's not a Christian, but he is very thankful for what we did, and, and we're very respectful. And because we respect the government and work alongside of them, uh, with them, they allow us to put three copies of every one of these books in every government university and library. That's pretty cool. I mean, I couldn't, they wouldn't let me do that here. <laughs> uh, the earthquake has become a major focus the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I've spent a lot of time focusing on that. And this, it's this region here you can see. And if you can see this little green, I can't even see it there. Can you see that green dot? So there's a town called Aleppo. And there's, there's a San Larufa, just call it Ufra. That's what they call it. And... Uh, so those were the areas where we're focusing on and doing a lot of work. We've been up there. Our team has been up there doing uh, rescue work uh, alongside the Lebanese civil defense. Uh, it's been a very hard go of it, uh, very difficult. Uh, uh, you know, right now they're saying 40-plus thousand deaths. It's going to be much more than that. And, and so um, this is a picture of uh, my friend who's there, and he just thinks he found in the rubble, uh, just kind of contrasting life suddenly changing to a complete disaster. 
And so they're there trying to dig out bodies and living souls. And uh, so that's, what, that's where we've been at to this point. We've also delivered uh, some food aid, some uh, sleeping bags. Uh, so the ongoing crisis is going to continue to create problems in those areas of, of food, of medicine, of, of illness. People are going to get sick and not be able to have access to doctors or medicines. And so there's a lot of things. We, please pray for us as we develop our strategy where we're, we are going to engage. And I'm going to be there in a couple weeks or less. Um, so we would really like your prayers that we're very strategic with God's resources. Jordan is a place where we work. It's the, probably the nicest, most comfortable country in, uh, in the Middle East. Maybe Israel. I've never been to Israel. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I have been like Moses. I stood on Mount Nebo and looked across, but I lived. And uh, so here we have, we have the, a lot of uh, uh, skill training, doctors, clinics, and discipleship. Discipleship is the, one of the biggest things going on right now in the Middle East. And pray for that. As we can see that maybe the sons of Abraham will come to Christ. And we'll see uh, a, a great, maybe that the, the center of the gospel the, you know, would return to the homeland. And this is, who knows what this is? There you go. It's the Jordan River. And it's on the other side though. It's the baptismal site. And Jesus was actually baptized, they say, to the right of this picture. Um, I looked at that water and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. And Nepal, uh, we work in far-flung villages. This is a church meeting. Uh, our, our friend is a, a church planner, a disciple maker, and working. Look at that. Isn't that cool? When he told me, I, he called me, he says, I want to work with Frontier Partners and this and this. And we're working in the far-flung villages in the foothills of the Himalayas. And I said, that phrase right there, I'm in. <laughs> a baptism uh, uh, they do baptism in Afghanistan this, this, these people are my heroes that, the, the, the country's in turmoil the Taliban are, are, are running roughshod over everybody and the, the Christians are at great peril and my friend who works across the central region of that country in small remote villages of Afghanistan so when you say remote and Afghanistan at the same time that's remote and you can see the work that he's doing, delivering food and clothing, the gospel, disciple-making, it's incredible, and it's a privilege to work with that man. Amen. Amen. So um, maybe staying on the line of, of the earthquake situation, <clears throat> you know, this is um, you know, obviously horrible and tragic, but, like, what does the foreseeable future look like for someone who is in Turkey or Syria, you know, in these areas that it was affected by the earthquake. Like, what's the long-term impact that they're going to experience? Right. We're just seeing the beginning phases. And as it fades from the news, I pray it doesn't fade from our prayers. These people will go through a, a drastic change that some of, they've lost everything. There's no government. The government cannot re- help restore their lives. Their, the, all the aid that pours in there will not restore many of their lives but it can, we can give them a start. And so what we want to do is to go in and find a place that God has us to work with them and to bring comfort and help and, and, and hope and, and hope in the, next, in the next day and the next day until we can get them out of that and they can, they'll have to rebuild their lives. They'll have to rebuild everything because they've lost everything. But through that process, we're going to be able to bring the love of Jesus Christ 
into the presence of the suffering. We're going to be able to share the gospel first by deed, that they're going to see that God, there is a God that loves them. There is a real tangible God who speaks into the lives of, of people. And then we'll also, there'll be other ways that God works, and we'll be able to share the gospel. I, I think we're going to, sadly, sadly it takes uh, sometimes, uh, crisis all, oftentimes draws people to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like it, it, people get shook up. They, all the things they trusted in, the, uh, whatever it was, the false uh, faith systems, the, the, uh, the material things of life, and, and then life has to go on, and you start looking for that new avenue because the old avenue's been closed. Yeah. You know, you know, I was thinking the other night, my son came to me and he's saying, Dad, where's that story in the Bible about uh, the girl who is sick and Jesus went, you know, the dad went and asked Jesus to come and heal and Jesus, you know, came and, uh, but, you know, he got delayed because the, the other woman was healed and, oh, Jairus' daughter. And he said, yeah, yeah. So I showed him where it was and he wanted to read through it. But I, I thought to myself, um, you know, Jesus, very often the things we read about in the scripture, he wasn't like on his way to a sermon or a church service, or something like that. He was just helping people. He was just serving people. He was just loving people. And it was through that, very often, that bringing the love of God to them, you know, bringing, you know, just that service to them, that as a result, it would open doorways for some of our most famous things that he said, some of the most, you know, important, powerful things that are, have been life-changing to us. And, and, you know, you guys, you have, you know, coworkers, you have family members and stuff, and, and, and it's, you know, you think, oh, I want to preach the gospel to them. Yes, you should. But, but a lot of times the doors are going to be more opened by the, the compassion and the love and the, and the service you bring to them. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's Pastor Tom says this all the time. He says, but, you know, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. I was just going to say that. Oh, were you? I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's a lot of what you guys are doing over there is that you're showing that you care. And, and for them, it's probably kind of like foreign is probably the only word I can think of. Like why, like, do they ask you a lot? Like, why are you here? That is our entry almost every time is we go there and we serve them. We treat them. And, and the other thing that we have high value is we treat with respect. I tell our, our partners overseas, I, we look at each other face to face, eye to eye. We're not above you, nor are we below. We're partners. We're equals in this, and that's a very big deal. And we do the same thing with the refugee. We do the same thing with the displaced Yazidis or the persecuted. And, and, uh, and then they will say, why are you here? And, and it, um, my, my friend uh, from Jordan says, if, if we, when they hear the song of our life, they'll ask for the words. Mm. And so when we're living Jesus in front of them like a melody, uh, the, what are the words to this song? What, what is it that makes you want to come here? Because, I mean, you've got to admit, it is kind of strange. Here you go, you've got these Christians. Now, not just American Christians. We've got, we've got Iraqi Christians. We've got Lebanese Christians. We've got, there's, there's Christians out there, and we work, we bring, come together with them. But they see the Christians caring for them, and they want to know why. Amen. Amen. So uh, just maybe a couple more thoughts on the earthquake. Um, why are you specifically targeting like Aleppo and uh, Lufra for long-term relief? Why these two cities in particular? Well, Aleppo in Syria, northern Syria, is both those towns were devastated also by the earthquake. It just complete the, the number of collapsed buildings and deaths is is, uh, is amazing. And I've I've been through several large-scale disasters, and this is right up there mm. at the top. And 
And so in uh, Aleppo, it, it's, it's, God's been drawing my heart to Syria for a long time. I've wanted to go in, but I got called off multiple times. So um, we have a chance here. Uh, because we work as partners, one thing real quick, as Frontier Partners International, we partner with people. So in Lebanon and, and in Iraq and these other places, these are our partners. And uh, they're not, they're not, I'm not their boss. Mm-hmm. We work together as leaders. So, um, so up in Aleppo, we can utilize our Lebanese staff to go in and, and reach into the, this area where I might not be able to because there's some Al-Qaeda groups up there and other things going on. And then in uh, the others, Ufra is a Kurdish region, and they're under great stress and persecution from their local government. And, uh, and so the Kurd, our Kurdish friends in northern Iraq want to go in to Ufra, and they, so we're going to be addressing that area yeah. too. You know, Mike, I remember the first, the first conversation I had with him was about a trip he took to Afghanistan. He almost drowned uh, driving a Jeep or something through a river. <laughs> and it, yeah. like, it came up on you while you were driving through it or something. Yeah. And, 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 and he, he, this is what he says to me after. And he goes, you should come to Afghanistan with me next time. <laughs> I'm like, no, I should not. <laughs> but, but from the day one that I've been talking to you about the work that you're doing, you go into places of danger. Aleppo, if it sounds familiar to you, there's a reason. The reason is, is because uh, ISIS held on to Aleppo for a very long time. Some of the most fierce battles took place in the Syrian civil war uh, in Aleppo. Four-year siege that uh, Bashar, uh, 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 the the leader of uh, the king of Syria, that that laid siege to this city. So, I mean, this is, this is a massively war-torn area. There's tons of corruption. There's tons of danger. Al-Qaeda's still there. And, and, and Mike's thinking, you know, how can we get in there and help these people? You know, um, we think of these places and we don't tend to think of going there. We think of avoiding places like that. But Frontier Partners is, you're looking to go to places that no one else is looking to go. Yes. <laughs> I say sometimes in a joking quasi-joking way, it's like, my skill set's like this. So it fits in these really obscure places. <laughs> but we do, we look, you know, what happens is a lot of times when you see aid going in, it'll be going to the major cities, and, the, and it, it makes sense in a lot of ways, uh, you know, where, what they're doing, and I'm, I'm not here to tell anybody else where they should be working, but we will find an outlier region that's not getting the assistance, and, and that's where we begin our work. Also, where it gives us more obscurity in a sense where you get a little we're not quite as as uh we don't stick our flag up unless we have to um and so that gives us a little bit of freedom to minister in a way that god calls us to minister to minister not under the eyes of these other agencies yeah you know i i remember i was thinking about this when mike was telling me about you know i want to go to Aleppo, but they're telling me it's too dangerous right now (laughs) and stuff but i was thinking of recently in our man up retreat um when rich pastor rich chafin his very last session he kind of closed it out with some thoughts and one of his thoughts was if you guys remember he said you know let's let's go over to the middle east and go die for jesus go share the gospel in a persecuted region and give our lives for the gospel that's not something you usually hear about like, that's not something you advertise. Like, hey, come to our church where you sign up to go to a foreign country and die <laughs> to give the gospel to people who need to hear it. But that's what we're called to do. This is what Mike is doing. We are called in a time of danger to be the people who are 
going into those places of danger. Jesus, he said, listen, in Luke 21, he said, when you begin to see all these things come to pass, you know, when you start seeing the end coming, the enemy working, when you start seeing these dangerous times come, these perilous times come that the scripture talks about, he doesn't say go yell at your government or go, go, go protest or go try to hold on to your rights. What he said was, is look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. And, and, and I've heard that taught sometimes in, in ways that I don't, I don't think is quite correct. I, I've heard it taught in the ways of like, look up, be like, oh, yay, we're going. I'm not saying we shouldn't be, oh, yay, we're going. But the whole point of that passage is Jesus is saying, when you start seeing these things happen, look up, which means, it means stop being bowed down and sorrowful and worried about things. And then lift up your head. It means to Take courage in the face of danger. It means to lift up your head to see what's in front of you and go walking right into it. Why? Because our time is running out. Your redemption draws nigh. We're running out of time. So when we see these things going on, these aren't places we should be avoiding. These are places that we should be going to. And what Mike often finds when him and his teams, they go into these places, is you're not finding terrorists, you're finding moms, you're finding kids, you're finding people who have nothing, and people who just want to live a normal life, just like you and I are trying to live, and they, but they can't. Wow, wasn't that good? Give, give him an amen for that. That was awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. That, I'm ready to go. How about you? Yeah, that's exactly right. We are going into other people's homes. The other most parts of the earth is home for the person that's already there. Amen. So it's, um, yeah, so the, we go and again, it's just looking, looking one human to another. So I, I, maybe we can... Uh, change gears a little bit. The earthquake, you could talk about that forever because, and that will be work that'll be going on for a very long time. Um, but something that, that uh, if you're familiar with uh, the newsletter and everything, you probably heard about it, but I'd like to talk a little bit more because it's something that you guys got to participate in, even if you don't realize it. Um, but uh, talk to me about the pastor's conferences, the two pastor's conferences that were held. It was one in Lebanon and one in Iraq. Yes. Okay, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, thank you for all you guys that prayed and and supported that. Uh, These pastors' conferences are a a godsend for these pastors. So it's pastors' wives and leaders. And and so we bring them together twice a year, uh, once once a year, uh, in two locations. This will be our third year where we bring pastors together for a time of encouragement. It's called a time of refreshing. They're under... the. Church leaders and families are under tremendous sectarian pressures. A lot of times they're in villages where they have converted out of the local, the regional religion, local religion, and are under persecution themselves, under great stress. And they continue to minister the word of God. And they have very little resources and very little fellowship. They don't have the money to go, go gather at a pastor's conference in another town. And so what they do, so what we have done at the request of my uh, pastor friends in Iraq, started with them, uh, we started holding pastor's conferences to encourage and refresh the leadership of the church, evangelical church, and especially in Iraq and, and Lebanon. And so we hold these conferences, and it's a time of, of uh, in the word, worship, fellowship, where they come together and they become refreshed. And the pastors come to me afterwards, and uh, in Lebanon, one of my favorite statements was, is the pastor came to me and said, uh, after the conference, Mike, thanks so much for doing this and bringing this you know, team here. He says, I wasn't going to come. I didn't want to come, but the Holy Spirit made me come. And I'm glad I did, because I wouldn't have come because I thought you were going to do what Americans always do. 
tell us how to run church and evangelize. He said, I know how to run a church. I know how to evangelize. I just need hope. I just need hope to go on. And, and that's what this conference has done. And that's what we're doing. So pray for us. It's in August. We're gonna, you're going to hear more about it. Get on our mailing list. You can hear about, a lot more about it. And, uh, and I will uh, keep you up. And, and we're, so we're going to have it the first two weeks of August. And we're really excited about that. About These folks, you know, many of them, you know, they don't pastor churches where they're supported financially. You know, they don't have the financial means to go away to a conference. And so, you know, when Frontier Partners, you know, reached out to anybody who gets their newsletter and said, hey, would you be willing to support a pastor and his wife to come? Or, you know, this is what it costs to bring a pastor and his wife in. And so when I saw that, for whatever reason, it kind of touched my heart. And so I went to our board and I said, hey, you know, let's do something like this. Let's give something. And so we gave to two conferences. And I think we also gave some money for a couple mules to go <laughs> bring materials into to some regions. Um, but, but that's only possible because of your guys giving. Uh, the church just doesn't generate income. You know, you, this is because of your giving. So you guys sent multiple families that could come, multiple couples to come and just be refreshed and encouraged uh, in, in, in the work that they're doing for the Lord to be given that hope and that strength to keep going, to keep being faithful where they are. They even said to me, uh, some, a lot of them came to me, not just one, it just they start talking and they said how thankful they are and as they're talking, tears start coming to their eyes as, as they're talking about how helpful it's been and they say, and they told me, go back and tell the people, because they know, they know I don't just come up with this money. It comes just like Will said. And they said, go back and tell the people who helped us come here, thank you. And so this is a thank you from Syrian pastors, from Armenian pastors, from Lebanese pastors, from Kurdish pastors, from Iranian pastors. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. We, we hear, you know, like you might be having a rough time and you, you could literally go on the internet and find a dozen conferences that you go to or retreats to get away with the Lord. They don't have that opportunity. You know, there are times when being a Christian can be very lonely. Um, sometimes you probably feel that way at times. Um, but, but you have a lot of opportunities, a lot more resources to go and find that pick-me-up, you know, to get that mountaintop experience with the Lord so you can go back down into the valley and you're, you're ready to go. A lot of these folks, they don't have anything like that. And so, you know, uh, it is, it's just a wonderful thing to be able, for them to be able to get away and just spend time with other believers uh, to be with the Lord and, and to be encouraged in their faith. Um, what was it like having like a bunch of, because you've got all these different nationalities present in their churches represented, you know, these, these different pastors from different regions. What was it like having them all together to, to just worship and learn the word and be encouraged? It was awesome. It was awesome. They were so excited. I mean, and they're, they're all together. They're praying. They're like zealous prayer and worship and zealous worship. And they were just having a, a great time. So it was, and like I said, as the, as the time went by, you just saw them decompress and, and then uh, are more ready to, to stay in the fight. And that's always my message is don't quit. Don't quit. Because a lot of church leaders quit. They just it's hard. You're living in, in a alone, almost isolated, like you're saying, isolated, and they they give up and they leave. So, thank you. Yeah, you know, Paul the apostle experienced that that loneliness because, you know, at the very end when he was going to be executed, Second Timothy said, you know, 
I'm alone, you know, but the Lord stood with me, but, but he wasn't alone. And so he had, I think it was said there was one guy who stayed with him and then he asked Timothy to come because he didn't want to be alone. You know, we're not designed that way. And, and, you know, again, we might feel alone because, you know, like if, if you're a pastor here today or you serve, you'd like lead a Bible study or something, you might feel alone because somebody didn't like your teaching or they critiqued you or something. These are folks who sometimes are getting a knock on the door from the local government because they're inspecting things. You know, they don't know if they're family's going to be dragged away or if this is the day they're going to go be with Jesus. Um, I mean, that, can you imagine being alone in that type of a scenario? Uh, so this is just a, a huge blessing for them. So yeah. maybe lastly then, uh, to kind of wrap it up, you know, how can people get involved in what you're doing uh, with Frontier Partners International? Well, as always, uh, prayer, number one. Uh, you know, wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we know that these are spiritual battles, this warfare that we engage in. And in the region that we're working, if you remember, uh, the angelic battles that were occurring with the Prince of Persia and, and just the spiritual battles of, I think of the, what kind of spirit resides over Nineveh to have the Ninevites that were so ferocious and, and evil. So these, these, I don't think these things go away. Prayer is the number one thing. Prayer for the, the, the strength of the believers and the people that are there, that, are, that our team and, and anyone that's helping, that they were able to be strategic, to utilize the limited resources in a way that, that really brings help and that we're able to bring the witness and the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that people can hear it and to take it into their hearts and to believe it. And there are people on fire. Because of this, there are people on fire for Jesus Christ. They'll be, you'll look at them and you'll think there's no way that's a Christian just by the way they dress. The traditional clothes. It's like, but that's tr- traditional clothes. They love Jesus. They, they tell me how they've been born again, how they've been baptized in water, been baptized the Holy Spirit, and they're ready to go. And they are. And so just pray for these people. Um, I, I was telling Will, I could see how this Middle East might possibly become the center of the gospel again in the last days. And I think we might be there with the formulation of the, the military situation, the, all the things going on in Syria and, and the earthquakes. and it's, it's really amazing. But in the meantime, we look up, like Will said, and we look forward. So prayer is number one. The other thing is, is these things take money. It takes money to get food in. It takes money to support people uh, and, and start businesses and those things. So donations and giving is the other one. And I'd love for you to get on our mailing list because that way then you, we're, we're kind of in front of you and you can remember us in prayer for sure. Mike's super good. If you know this about updates, you're getting regular updates about what's going on over there. Um, so I, I encourage you, you know, Mike's got a table in the back. So after service, go see him, go talk to him, sign up for the newsletter so you can find out more information. And, uh, you know, even at the very least, just to be a prayer partner with FBI. So Amen. 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 Thank well, you. let's uh, just thank Mike for coming. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for our brothers and sisters uh, in these very, Lord, persecuted regions, very, uh, Lord, just tragic uh, things going on in these areas. And we, you told us to remember those who are in chains, to remember those who are suffering. And so we don't want to forget them. And we, and we don't want to neglect the fact that true religion and undefiled before you is, is not to neglect, but to visit the orphans and the widows, Lord, and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. So we pray for Mike that you bless him, that you bless 
FPI and the work they're doing, pray you give them wisdom in regards to uh, the earthquake relief that they're plotting and planning right now, strategizing about what to do. Pray that you'd grant them favor, open doors that no man can shut, protect their teams, Lord, and then use them for your kingdom. And then, Lord, use us. Lord, touch us in some way today from something that was said, Lord, that maybe it might spur us to be bold for you, to, you know, lift up our head and to go into whatever danger we might be facing to love those around us as well with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.